Psychology attempts to understand the human mind. Uh, as with anything, uh, it's easier to understand if you understand what it's designed for. Hence the focus of my talk today, what is the human mind designed for? Now, answers to questions uh, about the ultimate uh, causes of uh, any aspect of human behavior generally fall back on or lead back into two kinds of answers, uh, nature and culture. Uh, nature and culture are both very well represented in psychology today. Uh, the nature side represented uh, most prominently by evolutionary psychology. What the evolutionary psychologists study uh, is similarities, specifically similarities between humans and the animals from whom we evolved. And they seek to main, uh, explain human behavior uh, based on these similarities, saying that, uh, well, we came from the animals and therefore we think, feel, and act uh, in ways similar to how th what they do. Culture, meanwhile, is also well represented in psychology today uh, by specifically the field of cultural psychology. Their stock in trade is differences. They study differences between cultures. In fact, almost uh, any talk, if you see the word culture in the title, you're going to be hearing about differences between different cultures. Now, I have no complaint about uh, what uh, these two programs of research are doing. They're contributing valuable insights and uh, advancing knowledge. What I do want to suggest, though, is that something may be missed uh, by focusing in these ways, uh, and that if we were to switch those criteria, uh, we might gain additional insights. Specifically, if we look at evolutionary differences, that is, differences between humans and the animals from whom we evolved, uh, and in the same way, if we look at similarities across cultures, what things are universal or nearly universal across many different cultures, uh, that uh, there's much to be learned that way too. And uh, crucially, I want to suggest that those two are linked, and indeed linked in ways that contain the keys to understanding human nature. If we can understand uh, things that are similar to people all over the world in all different cultures, and things that set us apart as different from the other animals from whom we evolved, these are the things that make us human, and these are the things to focus on. Um, so, uh, let me just give some examples of a couple things uh, where... Uh, uh, noting uh, cultural similarities uh, might be it might be useful. Uh, language, for one thing, uh, languages are of course there are languages all over the world, but then they're they're different on the surface, uh, and yet all cultures use language. Uh, anthropologists, in their zest for finding exceptions and unique cultures, they've never been able to find a culture that does not use language. Uh, and linguists also say that uh, although there's communication in other animals, it, it does not really uh, qualify uh, as a full-fledged language. So language itself is something that sets humans apart from other animals uh, and is something that uh, all humans in all cultures seem to share. Uh, and so uh, I think being a language-using creature, this is an important key to understanding human nature. This is something about us. Uh, and if we only focused on evolutionary similarities and cultural differences, we would have missed that. Uh, other examples can be identified. Um, cooking, for example, is something that uh, uh, all, all cultures seem to do. Uh, on the surface, there are many differences with different recipes and different foods, but the fact of cooking is itself a vital advance. Uh, and again, something that uh, no other creatures do. Uh, animals like cooked food if we cook it for them, uh, but uh, lacking culture, they haven't been able to uh, create cooking for themselves. Uh, clothing would be another example. Money. You can go on and, and name a number of these things. Anyway, these things contain important insights into human nature, and again, uh, they can best be found uh, by spending a few moments reflecting on 
what is common to all humans uh, and different between humans and other creatures. All right, that said, I think we, uh, if we're ready to uh, look at uh, the combination of nature and culture in perhaps a new way, we can begin to answer uh, my question, and I'll offer a first answer to the question of what is the human mind designed for. And uh, the short answer, nature made us for culture. That is, the human mind and psyche uh, were designed by the processes of natural selection, uh, but designed for uh, being able to create and sustain and function in this new kind of social life that humans have, uh, namely culture. And uh, if I'll just argue that the beginnings of culture, little bits of it are found in, in a number of other species, but only humans have made it uh, central to our life, to where it uh, is something that influences us and affects us deeply in many ways every single day. Um, Culture is humankind's biological strategy. It's how we solve the ultimate basic biological problems of survival and reproduction. We use culture uh, to solve those. Even today, uh, we turn to culture if we have a problem with either survival or reproduction. Uh, we go to the hospital. Uh, we uh, encourage funding for uh, research to uh, find new ways of curing diseases uh, or solving other problems. We uh, uh, ask the government to uh, give tax breaks to families that have small children to increase uh, reproduction or whatever. But again, we look for the culture to provide solutions to our problems of, of uh, uh, our biological problems of survival and reproduction. Now, uh, let me say a little bit about the brain. Uh, since the human mind, obviously, is very closely tied to the brain. Um, it's easy to say, oh, well, yes, uh, evolution would favor greater intelligence, and so uh, over time, uh, intelligence would evolve toward higher and higher levels. Uh, but the anthropologist Robin Dunbar, uh, looking at the research uh, some time ago, he noted, that's not really what happens. Intelligence increases for a certain while, and then it seems to stop. If natural selection simply unlimitedly favored more and more uh, ever greater intelligence, uh, by now squirrels ought to be as smart as Einstein was, and yet uh, squirrels seem to have stopped uh, moving forward in their level of intelligence. Why is that? Well, he noted, there are costs to increasing brain size, too. Uh, the brain is a very costly organ in biological terms, uh, so costly indeed that just being more intelligent could jeopardize your survival. Uh, the human brain, for example, 2% of our body mass, uh, and yet it consumes 20% of its calories. So it's an extremely expensive organ uh, to maintain. Increases in brain size, therefore, can only be sustained if they will pay for themselves. Uh, otherwise, you would have such a giant brain that would demand so many calories that you might starve if, if, if the brain didn't help you find enough uh, additional food, not only to feed for itself, but to make the, uh, uh, the increase worthwhile. So, uh, what Dunbar then did uh, was proceed to compare many different animal species, leaving even humans out of the sample to make uh, his task a little more difficult. He just compared other animal species. What is it that drives the evolution of intelligence? And he had a variety of interesting theories that have been put forward. Uh, one, there's certain kinds of food that are more complicated to keep track of, things like fruit that uh, you need to be more intelligent. Uh, another, that uh, territories, that the, the wider a territory an animal has, the bigger brain it has in order to keep track of where it goes and remember uh, spatial organization and so on, or uh, different kinds of predators that need to be outsmarted if it has to be clever enough. If there are a lot of animals trying to eat you, do you need to be really careful, uh, really intelligent in order to evade them? None of these hypotheses turned out to be correct. Instead, uh, the one answer that emerged from his research uh, was that animals 
uh, with larger brains uh, had larger and more complex social networks. This is a bombshell. This is an important insight. This became known as the social brain theory. The brain evolved not for helping us outsmart the antelopes or figure out how to keep a, a better um, a roof over our heads or anything like that, not for solving problems in the physical environment, but rather for dealing with the social environment. The brain, the human brain is what it is so that we can deal with each other. And the important general principle there, uh, something I think psychologists would do well to keep in mind from time to time is that inner processes serve interpersonal functions. All right, um, so animals evolved. Some animals became social because that was their biological strategy. Uh, it enabled them to survive and reproduce better. Well, culture is another step in that direction. So I see culture as a new and better way of being social. Culture is not some mysterious force or loose cannon that uh, happens to be out there and uh, oppresses us or makes us do crazy things or, or instills us uh, with all sorts of novel beliefs or whatever. Rather, culture is a system uh, that people use to organize how they deal with each other, uh, so ultimately so that they can survive and reproduce better. As such, culture has been really uh, successful over the years. Uh, in, you know, compared to other large mammals like ourselves, uh, our species has done far better than others, and it's by virtue of our, our social system of culture uh, that we've achieved this success, both in terms of survival and reproduction. Uh, we have uh, uh, gone from essentially one woman to uh, probably to over seven billion, we'll maybe hit eight billion people in the world this century. Uh, that's just, uh, what, a couple hundred thousand years that we've uh, increased our population that size. And even survival, we've managed to triple our life expectancy by virtue of our research and collected culturally accumulated information. Uh, no other species has done anything like this. And so uh, culture has been an extremely successful system for us. And whatever its downsides, and yes, it has its negatives of uh, war and pollution and genocide and things like that. Yes, culture does promote these things. But again, it's a strategy for bi uh, for biological problem solving, survival and reproduction, and in doing that, it has been extremely successful. So culture essentially uh, works like a multiplier. It increases the power of the human brain. Uh, each of us does much better being part of a culture than if we were just plopped down in nature by ourselves. Even if we had exactly the same physical and mental attributes uh, dealing with the physical environment directly, we could not do nearly as well as we can by living in part of this wonderful cultural system that we belong to. Uh, I can make a bit of analogy to a computers and the internet. A computer by itself, well, it's a useful tool that can do a variety of things and so on, but a computer that can connect to the internet uh, can do vastly more. And so uh, in the last couple of decades, computers have evolved to be better and better at connecting uh, to the internet, even though the, the early computers uh, had no such uh, capabilities. Um, the same computer uh, can do a much better job and can accomplish so much more if it's connected uh, to this network than it can by itself. All right, uh, let me say a couple words about what culture is. Um, from uh, studies in other fields that have put together uh, what the essence of culture is. Culture is essentially learned behavior. It's something that you acquire. It's not something that you're born with. It's shared information. You don't have culture by yourself, but rather it has to be shared through the group. Uh, most definitions insist it has to be transmitted to the next generation. Uh, so culture has to be able to uh, perpetuate itself. Uh, important uh, aspects of it include beliefs, shared beliefs, shared practices of how you do things. Uh, and guides for behavior. 
uh, putting these together, we can say culture is an information-based system that allows people to live together in an organized fashion and thus ultimately to satisfy their biological and social needs. So again, it's a system that helps us live together. It's heavily based on information uh, and uh, um, enables people uh, to survive and reproduce. Now, I said that, uh, um, that nature made us for culture. That suggests that culture actually influenced biology. This is a somewhat radical idea, and uh, any suggestion that culture uh, influenced nature up until recently, the answer would have been no, that's impossible. But that's because they were thinking of culture in terms of cultural differences. So if you're trying to explain the difference between the French and the Germans, if you wanted to say, well, the Germans are somehow genetically different from the French, you'd have a different, difficult case to make. Uh, partly the difference between France and Germany uh, does not go back uh, more than a couple centuries, not nearly long enough for it to become enshrined uh, in genes. And so uh, the different cultures could not have produced genetically different types of people. Uh, but that's, again, equating culture with cultural differences. If we look at culture per se, the matter is quite different, and then it does become possible that culture could have shaped nature and biology. Um, ethologists uh, have now come to think that 50 or 60 other species have some form of culture, maybe pretty rudimentary, maybe just the beginnings of it, that they learn how to do something and the information is passed on a few generations, uh, but still something that qualifies as culture. The crucial implication, though, is if culture exists in other species, then it's very likely that culture existed on the planet before humans existed on the planet. So culture was in the environment and therefore could have been a selection factor. Therefore, uh, humans were born, uh, each uh, generation or each mutation that uh, a baby was born with slightly improved capabilities for dealing with culture, well then this child could have survived and reproduced better than its rivals, uh, and so those genes could have spread through uh, the gene pool and humans could have become more and more competent uh, for culture because the system worked better. Uh, and indeed, as we know, human evolution was not a linear trend, but there were multiple versions of uh, uh, hominids uh, existing uh, at roughly the same time, and then one of them took over. Ours specifically did, and it seems to be our system that did it. Uh, compared to the Neanderthals, for example, uh, the Neanderthals were, as, as far as we can reconstruct, uh, as, uh, as big and strong as our species, and so in a one-to-one -one combat, the Neanderthal might well have prevailed. Uh, they also had bigger brains, but they did not have uh, as much culture as we did. They do not appear to have had economic trade or division of labor. Uh, and so our ancestors had a better system, enabling us to move into the neighborhoods where the Neanderthals already lived and take over from them, and so uh, they uh, became extinct. Now, why culture? Well, the argument is uh, culture was developed as a new and better form of social life uh, that uh, ultimately uh, produced uh, gains in survival and reproduction, and so the human mind evolved to capitalize on these. Let me list four main advantages of culture. First, language. I've suggested this already, uh, but you need a group for language. You don't have a, a language by yourself, and even if you tried to invent one by yourself, I'm not sure how far you'd get in one term. It has to be developed over time, uh, and language is, as we know, uh, acquired uh, from, uh, from the group, even though it continues to change. There are huge benefits to having language. It improves communication, uh, so groups can work together and accomplish group tasks better. Uh, as I said, culture is based on information. Well, there's no tool like language for uh, 
uh, operating on information, it improves the sharing and storing of information, improves your ability to think about it, to analyze, to uh, conduct logical reasoning, mathematical reasoning, moral reasoning, things like that. It uh, also enables you to think beyond the here and now. We forget that animals pretty much live in the present because that's all they can respond to is what's immediate, immediate stimulus environment, uh, whereas humans uh, can talk about things in the past or the future uh, and uh, um, thus uh, respond to things far beyond the here and now. So, language the first advantage of culture. Second, the accumulation of knowledge. Uh, when most animals die, they have in their brains what they learned from their own experiences during their lifetime and maybe a few other things they learned by observing other animals. Uh, but humans, we have the knowledge of, of generations, indeed of thousands of years in our minds. We accumulate knowledge uh, and pass it on to the next generation. So this makes progress uh, possible and it makes it much faster. In nature, progress depends on evolution. It's the very slow process of genetic change, whereas humans can learn something. One human solves a problem. One human invents a telephone uh, or a refrigerator or whatever, uh, and then the entire group has it and it's there forever. And the next generation can start and figure out how to make a better one or how to uh, find a better device or something else. Uh, Wolves, for example, very social animals, uh, but a pack of wolves living in the forest lives pretty much the same way that a pack of wolves would have lived 10,000 years ago in that same forest. Uh, they have not uh, made new technological inventions, changed uh, to democracy, uh, reinvented gender roles or anything like that. Uh, they're pretty much the same, but it's because each generation starts over, whereas with humans, each generation can start where the previous one left off. This is a huge advantage. Third, division of labor. Uh, in group tasks. Um, each person can do a specific task and has been shown over and over again. This simply makes everything more efficient. For one thing, if you do only one task, you can specialize in it and become really good at it. Uh, whereas if everybody has to do everything, uh, you can't possibly acquire the skills. Think for a moment if you've been required to build your own house, make your own clothes, uh, and catch and kill and prepare your own food throughout your life. Uh, you probably wouldn't be all that good at any of those things. Uh, I certainly couldn't begin to live in a house as beautiful as I live in now uh, because I could never master the knowledge in my lifetime to make it so good. My house, uh, presumably like yours, was made by experts using the wisdom accumulated through generations uh, and made by dozens uh, of different specialists who designed and planned it and made the different parts. Everything gets done better and so uh, division of labor really works to improve the quality of life. And the fourth advantage, a network of trade and exchange. Uh, again, a crucial feature of culture is an economic marketplace. Uh, enables people to exchange the things that they produce that uh, uh, they don't need. And especially if you specialize in one thing, uh, well, you have to change it for all the other things that you need. You can make those much better than anyone else and someone else can make things you need. So uh, trade increases wealth and indeed uh, throughout history we've seen uh, the cultures that were most involved in trade generally forged ahead and became much richer uh, than their neighbors. So again, uh, life gets better overall. So uh, bottom line, culture uh, makes the individual person more than the sum of his, uh, more than the, the culture <laughs> makes the group more than the sum of its parts. Uh, so the members live better as part of a group than they could individually. And, and that translates into gains in survival and reproduction. All right, uh, and uh, to use this then as a powerful basis for understanding psychology, uh, I just uh, want to suggest again, inner processes serve these functions of enabling people to function in culture. So uh, many of the crucial features of the human psyche, uh, including 
uh, are, are there to enable us to, uh, to work and to sustain these culture. So theory of mind, that we understand other people have mental states similar to our own, and empathy, that we can imagine what and feel what other people are feeling. This promotes culture. Uh, the intelligent kinds of thought that we do to uh, understand information, understand group performance. The human self, much more advanced than the selfhood in other animals, uh, is there for functioning in this kind of complex environment with multiple roles and so on. Consciousness and the uh, divided mind, they are for simulating uh, realities away from the present. Self-control, for changing ourself uh, so that we can live up to the complicated rules uh, of the group. Um, so, uh, my point is, many of the crucial features uh, of psychological behavior and the things that set human beings apart are there because uh, they enable us uh, to create and sustain and function in this advanced kind of social life. To conclude, uh, let me just uh, point out that the phrase, the social animal, has been used by social psychologists, thinkers from going back to Aristotle and uh, as modern as, uh, as Aronson, have used that phrase and it's become something of an axiom. Yes, humans are social animals, but there are many social animals. To say that a human being is a social animal is to point to ways in which we resemble many other kinds of creatures. Whereas to say we are cultural animals, that is what sets us apart. That's what defines us as human. Uh, we are by far the most cultural of animals. As I said, no other species has made culture its biological strategy. Uh, and that really captures the essence of what makes us human. Thank you.